Good morning, good evening, good night, wherever, however, and whenever you're listening. Welcome to another episode of The Melanin Report. I'm your host, Marquise Lupton. And do I even have to say it? Because I feel like y'all can say it with me. Say it with me now. We got a dope jam-packed show for you today. Yes, indeed. I cannot wait to get into these stories. We have some great headlines for you. And you know how we like to do. We like to discuss these difficult headlines with our brain can i say that our our uh our our teacher our professor our uh uh get right when we get it wrong (laughs) yes yes true well 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 look i got a lot more i got a lot more where those come from dr kamika campbell dr k what's up well, I'm, re- I'm in recovery <laughs> from last weekend. I told you guys before that I was going to the Alabama reunion. Yes. And it was every single thing that I needed. Mm. It was amazing. So I'm, I'm in recovery. First time my voice, second time my voice is back. I'm happy. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're glad to have, um, um, what you call it, a 70 percent yes, of your voice 70 yes yes uh, uh glad glad that we have 70 percent of your voice because i know that we're going to get a hundred percent of your brain power okay. so so yeah uh folks we got some great ones uh today we're sticking to philadelphia in the back portion so uh uh stories three four and five are all coming from the city of brotherly love and story number two comes out of pittsburgh so this seems like a keystone state kind of show so we're talking about right right we're talking about the philadelphia homicide numbers are they going up are they going down well stay tuned to find out also pittsburgh takes the racism out of math what does that mean well we will soon soon find out and and also who cleans up after shootings this is uh something that has always been on my mind um the samuel l jackson movie the cleaner comes to mind oh, yes. uh, that was that that was an underrated good movie, I mean, good movie. yeah yeah and the show on is it nbc on hulu the cleaning lady oh yes that's a good one. Yo, yes <laughs> yes so uh so we are going to get into those stories and so much more i cannot wait i know dr k cannot wait cannot. she got some heavy nuggets of knowledge to drop on y'all so what if i'm disappointing today oh my god don't tell them <laughs> Yeah, so let's get into our first story. At least nine precincts in majority black Mississippi counties ran out of ballots per reports. Ballots at polling stations in Hines County, Mississippi's most populous county ran out of ballots, resulting in residents waiting hours to vote. This is coming from the Griot. Let's get into it. Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves was reelected a Republican that comes after a close race and reports of ballots running out at least in nine precincts in majority black counties. Newsweek reported widespread accounts of polling stations running out of ballots in Hines County, Mississippi's most populous county, resulting in some residents waiting several hours to cast their votes. The lack of ballots prompted Hines County Chauncery Judge Dwayne Thomas to order polls to remain open for an extra hour 
after the state Democrat Party filed a lawsuit. Data mm. from the U.S. Census Bureau shows that Hines County is 73.5 percent black and traditionally votes Democratic. So we're going to put a pin in it right there and get into this commentary and and our points. I'm just going to say this. Throw it back if you don't like it, America. But this was intentional. Oh, this is another way to suppress votes. This is uh, um, a, a, another way to deter votes. They saw that, you know, let's close down this polling station, this polling station, this polling station, yeah. so that, you know, this one central polling station, you have to wait two hours. So they thought that that was going to work. And they see that, okay, well, that's not working. Now what's the next measure? Oh, well. You know, we know that your county and, and th- this is just speculation with the numbers, folks. We know that your county has 500,000 people, but we're going to give you 178,000 ballots. Mm-hmm. That's right. Make it make sense. Oh, I can make it this one. Make sense. <laughs> oh, please do. Yes. So this is what I like to refer to as institutionalized strategic incompetence. Mm. Right. So we all, we kind of have, have an idea of what strategic incompetence is, is the art of of avoiding tasks that you don't want to do, you don't want to upkeep by pretending that there's some kind of mechanism where you're unable to do them. So a lot of um, voter disenfranchisement um, happens when states kind of practice this shoulder shrugging kind of, Mm. well, we thought we sent enough. You know you didn't send enough. Right. We thought this kind of, uh, we thought things were handled, kind of the um, strategic upkeep. So, these strategies and these mechanisms that are in place to make sure ballots are in the right place, the voting machines are in the right place, every single polling place in the state, just like in Pennsylvania and other mm-hmm. states around the country, are set up correctly, have enough um, of everything that they need, um, whether that's provisional ballots, your actual ballot. The Some people are moving away from the books, but having the books with your um, information in it so mm-hmm. that they can certify that you came as the voter, all those things are... And the only reason why I even know into this little detail is because I was an elections inspector in okay. Cumberland County for a while. I told you she was the brain. See, <laughs> <laughs> so the the oath that we take to uphold the Constitution and your right to vote as a citizen of and resident citizen of this country and a resident of your state is by penalty of 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 law, mm. right? So you we aren't just doing it. Um, for fun, even though it is fun to me, I love it. Mm-hmm. But we're doing it out of a sense of duty right. and respect for, you know, democracy. Mm-hmm. And so these kinds of things, every, sing- every single person takes an oath. So, And this is countrywide. Yeah. So when these kinds of systemic failures happen, um, it looks on the surface like they are mistakes. But when you dig deep, mm. you see that it is um, these cases of this institutionalized kind of strategic incompetence, plus especially in places like Mississippi, where they, you know, conveniently forget to to properly count how many ballots you need right. for this precinct or that. And so it's just very interesting. Um, here you hear stuff like this all over the place. Mm. Um, sadly, sadly, Mississippi is not the only place that happens, but um, there are a lot of different um locales, especially in poorer southern states, low socioeconomic states with low socioeconomic for black and brown folks, they are routinely disenfranchised because mm. they they don't 
they are perceived to not have the means to fight back when something like this happens. And and um, we we talked about this uh, the the last show the the, the teeth of the neighborhood. Yes. You know, um, oh, we can't do this to this neighborhood yeah. because that neighborhood they're going to fight back. But we can do this to this neighborhood because we know because we know that they're not going to fight back. It kind of seems like a little bit of voting redlining, doesn't it? Yes, it Vote does. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. it does. In, uh, in addition to drawing terrible maps, then you, then within those maps, you disenfranchise people from voting because you know after a while, no matter how the maps are drawn, people are not going to vote for people who are not serving them. It just Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And like you said, they knew exactly mm-hmm. I think they did. what they were doing. So um, uh, some points before we go to our next story. Point one, um, this this comes from one of the voters. Uh, this comes from Ms. Hall. Ms. Hall says some voters who just cast their ballot at the Wildwood Baptist Church had waited for two and a half hours. I'm told this polling location had run out of ballots at least, wait for it, five times and have been restocked with less than 100 ballots every couple hours. That's right. So then so, so then they, they not only ran out when they had to restock, they then didn't give enough to restock. Intentional. Still give them less. That's intentional. Yeah. Yeah. And then point number two, um, this this comes from. Um, uh, Democratic Party Executive Committee member Jason McCarty. He says, I believe that the Secretary of State's office and County Elections Office were simply not prepared for the overwhelming, amazing turnout we are seeing in Hines County. Uh, And he notes that uh, voters casted their ballots at precincts in other counties with no significant issues. So no issues in the whole state besides these heavily heavily populated with melanin areas. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm and, and and this is where I hope that they hit him in the pocketbook. Got to. And, and him. yeah. 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 Because that that seems like the, the only, only language, language. <laughs> the, the only language. language. That sucks, yeah. Yeah. Indeed. So let's go on to our next story. Story number two. Pittsburgh takes the racism out of math in public schools. The school board wants to close this growing gap in black and white students' test scores. So let's get into it. Math scores, math scores, excuse me, are down among students across the country. But when you zoom in on the disparity between black and white students, the statistics are staggering. According to the most recent data from the National Assessment of Educational Progress, math scores are down 13 points among black students compared with six points for white students. And the gap is continuing to widen. The 35-point gap between black and white students that existed in 2020 has widened to 42 points just three years later. But Pittsburgh Public Schools wants to see those stats change, and they are taking an anti-racist approach to math instruction in an attempt to address racial inequity in classroom performances. The city's most recent test scores showed that 47.5% of white grade school students scored proficient, while Mm. only 11.6% of black students did. So what are they going to do? Well, I'm glad you asked, folks. Mm-hmm. The Pittsburgh School Board just approved a $50,000 contract for education consulting firm 
Quetzel to produce workshops for math teachers, educating them on preferable ways to present the curriculum to students of color. Their hope is that the new approach will have a positive impact on allowing them to see practical applications of math in the real world. So mm-hmm. going to um, um, put put a, uh, a pin in it right there because we have some um, great points and some great commentary to get to. I I love the fact that they are now beginning to reimagine education and, and they're bringing in these these outside consultants, which I feel as though should have been something that should have been done, you know, for for decades, you know. Um, but looking at the glass half full, you know, this this fifty thousand dollar contract, I, be- I I feel like it should be more, but it's a start. It's a start. Yes, we got to start somewhere. Right, right, right. And 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 I'm hoping that places like like a Harrisburg, like a Lancaster, like a Philadelphia um, can can look at these models and and look at like, oh, OK, hey, there are some community members that can give us some great stuff besides, you know, the shucking and jiving, come in, you know, sing this song, clap this. Teach us about moments. right, you know. Come in, teach us about two days of Kwanzaa. Okay, thank you. Won't see you again. You know, come yep. in, teach us about MLK on you know the day after MLK Day. Okay, thank you. We won't see you again. You know, now, just like the last um uh, the the last story. You know, the money, the money shows the seriousness. Mm-hmm. Now, always you know, let's put some funds. Put some funds to where it. Your mouth is. Right. right, exactly, Doctor K. So, um, this is so I I, I uh, love this. I think it is very needed. Mm-hmm. I also took a little bit of time to look at the Quetzal folks, their project, um, Equitable Math dot org that they did in combination with um, a group of people. So, um. It's called a pathway to equitable mathematics instruction, and it's real spicy. <laughs> and this is what makes me feel a little more hopeful that this fifty thousand dollars is going to go towards actual real anti-racist and 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 critical race um, examinations of how people teach, mm. much more how they teach math. And it's this reminds me of a, and it comes right out of this. It reminds me of a um, African American psych the series of African-American psychology classes I took in college between Florida State and FAM, mm-hmm. FAMU. And one of the classes made me realize how biased just testing was. Oh. And um, and testing K to college, right? And so in that one of the classes, we started breaking down testing psychology and how the tests were biased towards people who had certain socioeconomic understandings, mm. how they, certain cultural understandings, and how that disenfranchised students of color. And so I remember sitting in the class going, well, that, I mean, a bedroom is a bedroom. If somebody's describing, you know, tell me if you, in your own room, what the measurements would be to blah, 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 why would that affect? And then I had to sit back and go, that's my own bias too. Like I had a room growing up. Maybe someone didn't, and that affected the mm. way they understood how to calculate the area of a room because they right. didn't understand what that meant. Um, or the names, how you name things. And this is just vocabulary in math. Um, so I started looking at their, and I remember thinking through in that class going, what else is infiltrated by this um, kind of 
r- racialized lens? And the mm-hmm. answer is everything. Yeah. And then this equitable pathway to um, the a pathway to equitable math instruction, the subtitle is dismantling um, racism in mathematics instruction. And one of the in their letter to the reader, it says, this work provides teachers with an opportunity to examine their actions, beliefs, and values around teaching mathematics. So it, they acknowledge very early that it's not about the, necessarily the numbers. It is about the perspective, lens, the cultural historical understanding of the teachers who are mm-hmm. teaching math, how that math is related to the students. Right? Right. If you aren't sensitive to the fact that black students and white students are experiencing math and cultural things differently in the world. If you if you don't see color, mm. right? Which is a you know we, that's nonsense. But then, <laughs> right. But if we don't look at how these cultural historical underpinnings affect your perspective as a teacher, uh, the tools that you use as a teacher, mm. the divisions of labor you use as a teacher, who you draw on in order to do your instruction and to to your community practice, yeah. right? Who you draw on to understand, then you won't be able to say. This is how I am understanding how my lens as an instructional designer for these students, a teacher for these students, this is how my lens and my preconceptions and my notions and my own learning Mm -hmm. is affecting whether or not they can learn math. We don't do that. We go, well, everyone knows that this particular concept, which should be deconstructed. Well, everyone knows A, or everyone knows B. Everyone knows A is A, and everyone knows B is B. Therefore, we can all add A and B the same way to get C. Yeah. And that's just not true. It's lazy. It's lazy. This this reminded me of um, of my my English class. Uh, we had a, a poetry lesson. Uh, this was 10th grade. We had a poetry lesson. And, and up to that point, like, I wrote poetry heavily. Like um, my dad wrote poetry, um, uh, my mom dibbled and dabbled, but it was really following in my dad's footsteps. And and I mean, I thought that I thought that I was good, you know, would write poetry to to, to girls and crushes yes, and everything yes. like that, you know. And and ten out of ten times, you know, got got some tears, you mm-hmm. know, got a little peck on the cheek and everything, oh. you know. Um, um, my my dad would tell me, son. Look, Oh, chip off the old block, you, you know. Um, but in this class, I could not get above a B. And for the Curry. life of me, like, I could not get that. Like, like e- everything you ask, you know, we did stuff on haikus. Boom. I thought I had one of the best haikus. Did it. Right. And, and it was just like, no. And then, and, and then Mary, I'm sorry, but <laughs> they're like, you need to sound more like Mary. And and she now, gave me Mary? one of Mary's. This was totally boring. You know, talking yes. about butterflies and trees and grass. Excuse me. Right. I'm not writing about butterflies, trees, and grass. I don't want to hear like, any of those things. Uh, no, no, not at all. That that doesn't as as a 16 year old black kid. Like, no, I'm exactly. not. I'm I'm not writing about that. And what that did. It stopped me from writing poetry because I thought that you, yeah. I thought that I wasn't good enough. Like, oh, well, I'm keep getting these bees, and obviously right. not my thing. Right, right, mm-hmm. and, and 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 like you know, uh, America's probably saying, "Oh, a B isn't a bad grade." It's not, but y'all have to understand, like, like, like poetry was my thing. Yeah, absolutely. Like, oh. like, like from 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 third grade, I wrote my first poem, and like poetry was my thing. So when there was this poetry section in English class, I was like, "Oh, I'm about to kill it." Yeah. 
And it just brought me brought me back down to earth. And, and I wonder how many other black kids, students of color experience that same thing and get out of something oh, that they love because of the lack of support, the lack of reception or the lack of understanding. Yeah. And you would think that that wouldn't be constructed in the world of math because you would think, OK, well, one plus one is two always. But there's 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 word problems. There's, you know, biases of certain teachers oh, yes. and, and, and everything, which which really made me realize that huh, I'm not sending my kids to Lancaster Catholic. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> there. Um, so the, it's so funny you mentioned an English class because same thing. 11th grade English. Oh, man. Miss um, Huba. She hates she she hated the way that some of us wrote. And it just happened that a lot of us who wrote that way were black or brown. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I remember her pulling me aside because I wanted to take the AP exam for English mm. to clep to get the college level language credits mm-hmm. to clep out, as they called it back then. Um, and she told me, well, you know, I don't think you should really take it because you know, you're going to put all that effort in and you're going to get like a two or three. Because I because I was making peas and C's in her class. Yeah, I didn't give a brats about King Lear, you know. Yeah, and I'd be like, I would just be very like King Lear. This story is not very. It wasn't very interesting. Right. But all a lot of the other readings I loved, and um, I remember she was also the teacher who had a lot of like propaganda in her class, lots of different propaganda. Mm. But um, I remember having this talk with me heart to heart. I was like, well, I'm gonna take the test anyway. Right? <laughs> and do you know I got one of the highest scores in her class? Come on. And clept out of all the English. I didn't have to take no English my freshman Ooh. or sophomore year. I had to take no English credits. We call that the clept back. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so this, just but just like you're talking about, and we're talking about with our stories, one of the hallmarks of this, the Quetzal uh, approach, is naming terms of white supremacy, mm. which I think is very interesting. Yeah. Um, the terms used in the agreement section of this resource are ideas presented in the Dismantling Racism Workbook from 2016. And the, you know, the disclaimer is important to read the article fully to understand the terms and why they're identified with characteristics of white supremacy, culture, and organizations. But I thought they were interesting. Perfectionism, sense of urgency, uh, quality over quantity, worship of the written word, either or thinking, power hoarding, um, only one right way, mm. um, objectivity, uh, those kinds of words are usually used to advance white supremacist thinking in teaching. Wow. Um, right? Because if you are pushing that it's only one one right way to do something, then you're never going to look for the way that a student learns something in order Very to true. make sure that they understand conceptually what they're doing. Mm. Right? You're only telling them it's only one way. Um, same thing with quantity over quality thinking, right? In Especially when you're teaching, it's about... Um, having a lot of test questions, even though it stresses a certain segment of your students out, right. instead of taking the qualitative time to, under- to help them understand, again, processes mm-hmm. and the fundamental uh, way to think of how, you know, help them understand their own thinking about math and or any other subject. Um, and, and it pushes that paternalistic view, pushes that individu- individualistic view could not a sense of non-communal learning um, when a lot of students learn from each other mm. in very specific ways. And even if they're doing communal learning, having this kind of dangling, well, you got to get to this mark or else nothing you do is worth it. Right. Um, 
like with poems, like same thing with my with writing. It was well, if you don't write it like this, and if it doesn't even have this tone, you can't even develop your own voice. Right. Ooh. So I encourage folks. It is. Let me see what it is again. Go to the website for this one. It's called equitablemath.org. Mm. Um, and the Deconstructing Racism Workbook that they mention is good not just for teaching, not just for learning, but for organizational community work and how we learn together in informal learning settings. Um, it's good for all that. I hope you all picked up what she's putting down. <laughs> I tell you this, Dr. K never disappoints. Never disappoints. So getting to our points before we go to our next story. According to Sean McNeil, who is the assistant superintendent, uh, this means uh, addressing inequities and in educating students by exposing them to black professionals in STEM, talking about the program in STEM fields to tell students of the African-American legacy in mathematics and emphasizing its practical applications in a hands-on way. Mm -hmm. And McNeil says the emphasis is on concepts and reasoning rather than putting importance on getting the answer correct. And then also, um, according to the most recent test scores, 11.6% of the district's African-American grade school students scored proficient mm -hmm. in math compared to the 47.5% of white students. And the district has long sought to close that gap and says it will now be taking this approach. Again, I hope that other cities, municipalities, and locales are looking at this and rinse, wash, repeat. Mm -hmm. All right, our third story today takes us to the city of brotherly love and yeah. actually We'll be here for the next uh, two stories yes, we as well. So <laughs> this is uh, definitely a time to to celebrate. Um, Democrat Sherelle Parker is elected as Philadelphia's 100th mayor and first woman to hold the office. 100 one, mayors. 100. So 99 mayors. <laughs> right. And we finally got one. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Philadelphia can definitely say, I got 99 mayors and a woman ain't one. And a woman really wasn't one. <laughs> right. Really Man. wasn't one. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Disgustingly wow. Disgustingly <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, so Parker, a black woman, vows to make Philadelphia the safest, cleanest, greenest big city in the nation that will provide access to economic opportunity for all. Sherelle Parker, a Democrat who has held office at the state and local level, after first becoming involved in politics as a teenager, was elected as Philadelphia's 100th mayor, becoming the first woman to hold the post. Parker, just 51 years old, emerged from a crowded field of Democrats in the May primary and was heavily favored over Republican David O. in the yes. city, which is a Democratic stronghold. She will replace Democrat Jim Kenney, who was ineligible for re-election due to term limits. She campaigned on a promise to make Philadelphia the safest, cleanest, greenest big city in the nation that will provide access to economic opportunity for all. So let's get into it. We are all here for Mayor Parker. Congratulations. Uh, wow. She has she she has some work ahead of her. Oh, she does. Uh, as usual. Yeah. 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 She has some work ahead of her. Um, um, but. But hopefully, hopefully this this will begin 
to steer the city of brotherly love in the right direction. And our next story, will get into it. We're not going to get into it just yeah, yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but our next story uh, uh, really gets into you know how um, how there is some momentum already yeah. in place uh, for that improving. Yeah. Going to need a lot more. Oh yeah. And and I really feel as though that this is a all hands on deck approach. Yes. Because we see. The venom and the vitriol that that um that our VP experiences absolutely you know whether it's from you know skin folk or yes, or or others right 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 so we have to be that protective barrier for this woman what say you well I of course am you know in solidarity with Black and Brown women all over the state I think who are looking to the Philly mayor election as a bright spot mm-hmm. especially on Tuesday where. Um, in different county level elections, because Philadelphia is its own county, of course, but yeah. in counties that are a little less um, diverse <laughs> 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 and uh, a little less could probably, you know, apt to, a lot of black women did not fare well on ballots. Mm, so I think, yeah. I think Sherelle Parker's victory is something that is rippling across the straight, across the state in a good way. Yes. Um, because on the same day, uh, in in uh, Dauphin County, um, there were several people who did not win their seats. So, yeah. particularly black women. Um, I'm thinking of Latasha C. Williams. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of Tammy Dykes. I'm thinking of um, men of color, Fred Filona, and others who, despite doing such campaigning so hard, they just weren't able to break through that vote barrier, mm. even in a county that has a voter registration edge. That favors Democrats, they weren't able to do it. Wow. So it's 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 interesting to see Sherelle getting across that French line. I'm always nervous though, because when a black woman gets into power in these gets these elected seats, people expect black women to fix everything that was wrong right. with the city. Right. Right. And I hate that. For the past hundred mayors. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um so we we'll see. I think um People are really excited about her, which yeah. has not – folks, for the last two mayoral – like, new mayor, like, like yeah. you know, you've got the reelecteds, but um, people were excited, I think, ha- pleased, happy, whatever the word may be, but people seem genuinely hopeful with Sherelle Parker, and yeah. I'm hoping that she finds a way. One of the persons who was quoted on her campaign said um, – uh, behind the scenes, the power and donor class while celebrating Parker's tough on crime and economic growth policies worries that she won't be up to hiring a truly best and brightest city hall, which I think is an interesting critique. Yeah. Um, Kenny, after all, eschewed Mario Cuomo's long ago advice. You campaign in poetry, which you govern in prose and gave many of the top spots in his ministry to his campaign staff. But Parker's election night performance should and any comparisons to her predecessor because folks really saw that she, at the very least, has a very different personality and approach. Mm. Um, so folks are just folks. Are, and I think folks are more worried about who she's going to put in office because they're not the probably not the same people right. that they would put in. Right. Which is these longstanding politicals, longstanding folks who've been on these political scenes for 20, 30 Ages. years. Um, so it should be interesting. I'm watching who was standing up behind her at the press conference too, by her speech at her, mm-hmm. her, her, her 
uh, acceptance speech, and you've got some of those same players in Philly who've been there a long time. <laughs> um, so it's going to be interesting to see how they accept her leadership choices, yeah. who she is choosing to co-lead with her, um, which... Like I said, sometimes they, you know, sometimes folks expect black women to, you know, come in and be the cleanup crew. Right. Um, particularly with the, we'll talk about this next, with um, the violence in the city and all these different things. Right. I'm looking at, I'm looking at uh, the black men in power um, uh, because, because black men in power um, sometimes, sometimes can, can, can get out of control. <laughs> and 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 can be can be not only their worst enemy but can be black women's worst enemy you know so so I'm looking at those in in power right now you know are are you going to support yeah Sherelle or or because you can't have things your way because Kenny had things this way you want things this way are you going to be one of those obstructors mm-hmm. are you going to be one of those disruptors or are you going to help this woman and ultimately help this city because Absolutely. that's what it's really about it's not about the egos it's about helping this woman and helping this city uh thrive so yeah absolutely um before we get to our our um next our next story story number 4 um some points here uh just to show you how dope Ms. Parker is. Um, Parker served for 10 years as a state representative for Northwest Philadelphia before her election to the city council in 2015. And she has touted herself as a leader whose government experience would allow her to address the gaping problems in the city. And this actually ties in with our next story. Uh, As of last week, there were 83 fewer homicides in Philly. Which is yes. um, a 19% decrease. Now, talking about this time last year, there's 83 less. L- less. Mm-hmm. And additionally, talking about last year, there was a 21% reduction from last year. Yeah. So so um, we see that the gun violence, though it's still prevalent, it, it is the homicides are decreasing. Um, the only thing increasing right now are... aggravated assaults and we'll get into that in this next our fourth story philly homicide numbers continue to drop slightly and this is what the data shows this comes from the philadelphia tribune the homicide rate in philadelphia has gone down significantly in the two years since the tail end of the pandemic and this is according to a report from the district attorney's office and larry krasner says as of midnight we are charging 350 homicides and that's down from 454 two years ago Mm. and krasner said that compared with last year there are 83 fewer homicides a decrease of 19 percent like we said in the last story and then says that there's a 21 percent reduction from last year and then says overall the only category of crime that is up is aggravated assaults and Mm -hmm. he says if we talk about shooting specifically we are showing a 25 percent reduction in shooting incidents so far this year and a 26 reduction in shooter 
victims. And this is coming from Krasner. And uh, he finishes off by saying the Philadelphia shooting victims dashboard from the Philadelphia Center for Gun Violence concurred, um, showing the fatal gun violence levels in the city are nearly down to the pre-pandemic levels of 2018 and 2019. Mm -hmm. So, again, she, uh, uh, Ms. Parker, Sherelle Parker, has the momentum um, um, of of the gun violence going down. I just hope that the powers that be continue continue to support her. Mm-hmm. And 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 shout out shout out to other uh, residents of Philadelphia b- b- because I don't feel like this is a a um, a police thing. Right. I'm looking at the community members that got you know stop the violence mm-hmm. um, um, uh, programs. Stay together. Um, I'm thinking about um, um, Tyreek down in South Philly that runs um, the Young Chances Outreach yeah. Network. Like, like there, there are these little community hubs that that are getting these kids Absolutely. off the street, mm-hmm. that are getting them involved. But also, but also, their city council and their state representatives are also investing in them as well. So mm-hmm. it's this collective effort of government and community coming together, and we're seeing it play out. Again, I would love to see this wrench wash repeat in other areas Absolutely. and a and more of an investment in these programs because obviously these programs work. Absolutely. Obviously they work, so give them the money. Mm-hmm. And K. there's been, um, I, I want to shout out a couple organizations that I know personally yes. who've been doing this work. In Philadelphia, over the years, um, they've put in a lot of a lot of work. Um, the Anti-Violence Partnership of Philadelphia, mm. Ceasefire PA, yes. the Center for Nonviolence and Social Justice, um, House of Umoja, mm. um, Moms and Men Action PA. They've been um, folks that have come to the Capitol a ton. Um, Philly Ceasefire, so there's yes. Ceasefire PA and Philly Ceasefire. Um, and these groups, in addition to, of course, public safety, you know, outfit. Um, women Against Abuse, the the um, the Pennsylvania Coalition Against Rape, PCAR, uh, and so many other ones that deal with intimate partner violence that usually gets is a subset of gun violence in the city um, or in, in any city, not just not just um, Philadelphia. So these are these are just a, a smattering because there's over probably thirty or forty organizations mm. who have different pieces of the puzzle that are coming together to do this big work. Um, so it, while I don't necessarily think, I don't want to say it's not a celebration, but you're, you're cautiously optimistic that yes. this can keep declining because of the work that folks have been doing. A lot of interrupter work back in the day, there were uh, Philly interrupters that looked like a lot like the Chicago interrupter folks, mm. where they would empower the community members who were scared to even sit outside because yeah. they didn't want to get shot to literally sit outside and be physical and visual representations of community so that people kind of understood there are people living here. Um, you know, shooting on our streets is not okay and yeah. really reclaiming the space. Right. So um, I'm I'm happy that these organizations can breathe a tiny sigh of relief as they're doing this work and not feel like all of it's in vain. Right. Right. I I love that. Uh cautiously optimistic. Mm-hmm. I I I love that. Mm-hmm. Um let's uh, uh take it to some points before uh b- before we take it to our fifth and final story. 
as of October 27th, according to the dashboard, there were 326 fatal shootings in Philadelphia. There were 302 shooting deaths for the full year of 2018 and 311 in the full year of 2019. The number of deaths jumped to 449 in 2020 and to 507 in 2021 before easing to 474 in 2022. And second point here, the average age of shooting victims in Philadelphia this year is twenty nine point one. And that's according to the dashboard. Victims ages 18 to 24 made up the largest group of shooting victims in the city this year, followed by Philadelphians ages 30 to 39. And if we're talking about the safest neighborhoods in in Philadelphia, we're talking about the um, northeast um, northeast neighborhood of Bustleton, that was mm-hmm. re- recently listed as the safest in Philly with a 67 wow. percent lower than average crime rate for Philadelphia. Areas of Fox Chase and Fairmount Spring Garden were also listed as safe neighborhoods in addition to Maniunk near West River Drive. And then when we talk about the neighborhoods that are less safe, um, we're talking about Tioga Nice Town, uh, Strawberry Mansion. Hunting, hunting Park in North Philadelphia, Elmwood in Southwest Philly, and the Fairhill area in the lower Northeast mm-hmm. area. Uh, so Philly doing doing its work, the Philly community members yeah. doing its work. I'm looking at the government. Give them that investment because when you give them that investment, it benefits us all. Yep. And the, and the other good thing about this is, well, you know, going back to the cautiously optimistic part, there are some really terrible statistics that come out of places like Philly, Chicago, and other places Mm. um, that talk about, you know, the very over-outsized percentage of black, young black men who die um, because of firearms-related homicide. And um, one one of those numbers is young black men represent 93.9% percent of firearm related homicide victims in Chicago and 79.3% of gun homicides in Philadelphia. So, that is we're in the same and some it's also something very similar for Hispanic young men. Mm-hmm. Um so the good thing about this is I am hoping that as we see these as you begin to solve some of the issues that contribute to gun, the outside issues that outsized issues that contribute to this gun violence, a lot of people will tell you, even here in Central PA where we are, folks getting shot over $10, mm. people getting shot because they thought they had money. You know, solving some of these socioeconomic issues um, is supposed to be highly correlated mm-hmm. with driving down these terribly high numbers of homicides. So I'd like to see this this article about the 70% was from a couple days ago, um, yesterday, but... That is coupled, hopefully, with this decrease in um, gun violence. And as they decrease those numbers overall, I know it will be get it will get better for um, particularly Black and Hispanic populations. Mm. Brighter days among us, mm-hmm. Dr. K. Absolutely. All right, and our fifth and final story of the day. We're staying right in the city of brotherly love. Oh, yeah. And our fifth story, who cleans up after shootings? 
Philadelphia hires professionals to handle blood in the streets after years of residents shouldering the work. Now, before I get into this, I'm just thinking, like, how does a city like Philadelphia not have this? Yeah. Not have this. And 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 for me, for me, it it really seems like something similar to um, to the ballot issue in Mississippi. Strategic kind of. Yes. Yes. Strategic ignorance? Did you call it that? Strategic incompetence. Yeah. Incompetence. Yes, yes. That's the word. Where so we just kind of go, well, I guess they'll clean it up themselves, themselves. you know, kind of thing. Or we didn't know it was an issue. The other thing I think, too, and we'll get into the article, is that gun violence is such a problem in the United States that we don't have an answer for all of the related, mm-hmm. directly related issues that come up, like who cleans up the blood. Right, right. So on June, uh, um, in uh, on a June evening in 2022, a shootout erupted between several men on a quiet side street in South Philly in in the Point Breeze neighborhood. Uh, Addie Dempsey, who's 75 years old, had just brought her grandchild in from playing outside when they heard gunshots. They waited while the Philadelphia Police Department arrived and left. She later learned her 36-year-old grandson Raheem Hargis was one of the two men killed on the block. And the next morning, she and two neighbors saw there was still blood on the sidewalk. They brought out the brooms, buckets, and gloves and got to work. And she says, wasn't nobody else out there, so we had to do it. And I did. And in Philadelphia neighborhoods where shootings are frequent, loved ones of victims often undertake the hazardous and traumatic work of cleaning up blood and other biological waste in the midst of their own grief. The Philadelphia Police Department will soon launch a pilot program to provide that service when violence occurs in an outdoor public space. Mm -hmm. City agencies and nonprofit groups have been raising the alarm about this problem for the last two years. And this is according to public meeting records and reports and other documents obtained by our cousin (laughs) W.H.Y.Y. So uh, let's let's uh, um, put a pin in it right there and and get into uh, these these details because yeah. um man they they are they are disappointing just for myself I thought that this was an automatic you know um Absolutely. especially after seeing the movie uh, the cleaner like that made me think oh well yeah of course there of would course be we have you know mm-hmm. people come in and clean up a crime scene yeah. and, and, and everything like that and, and then when reading this I'm like wait so you're telling me. After my son, my neighbor, my, you know, insert intimate relationship here after they get shot and killed. Yeah. I have to now remove the, um, you know, if, if they get shot in the head, you know, there's there's brain matter and, and everything. Absolutely. There's there's blood. Let's say that they get shot in the hand or something and their hand gets blown off. I, I, I have to pick up the fingers and like. Yep. So so now I have to basically quadruple down on this grief oh, that yeah. I'm dealing. That's it's very crazy. And it's again. And that's why I wanted to wait. We got into it. Yes, Philly. But when you do just a regular Google search for who cleans up after shootings, you see every 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 area. Mm. Um, New York City shopkeeper forced to clean up. Um, crime scene sidewalk after fatal shooting. Wow. Right? This is not his house. This is a sidewalk in front of his business. Daycare reopens after shooting. Host community meeting 
to demand the city clean up the area, right? Because they, this is in Seattle, hadn't been doing that. Because they probably um, asked, and the mm-hmm. city was like, nah. So, no, we're, we're probably not going to do that. Yeah. Um, Denver, neighborhood cleans up after four seriously um, injured. So so in the uh, Seattle or South Bend, Indiana, clean up clues, clean up homeless camp after shooting. So the, this is oh something that is happening across the country because, again, I don't think we will, we, we refuse to really treat gun violence like a pandemic. Right. Right? Yes. And so these are the side effects, right? Philly is, Philly is a good call out for the rest of the country, but this is happening across the, across country. the country. And so this, my question remains. When are we going to really assess the true cost to not just American lives who have passed on mm. because of gun lives, but the, but gun violence, but the the people who are behind, who are experiencing these traumatic uh, at the aftermath, the traumatic aftermath of these incidents? You got to clean it up. You have to relive the nightmare. Right. You have to now put yourself in bodily harm's way. Because crime scene cleanups is specialized work. It's not right. Right? You it's have not like to know how to cleaning up treat, the kitchen. Thank you. You have to biohazard is a real thing in hospitals and other facilities across the country that get specialized treatment. You don't handle blood blood products that way. You don't just regular degular. Uh, so seeing grand, grandmothers, you and it's usually women, uh, seeing grandmothers and aunts and and other people who you know, are already experiencing the loss right. of a loved one, now have to get the community get a, together or get their girlfriends together or their sisters or their cousins or whoever to now clean this up so you don't have to... Con- so Because what are you going to do? Just sit there, let it sit there and right. just keep experiencing it over again? What are you going to do? So I think it's very noble of them to clean it up. Um, but I think in a society that lets guns do whatever, let's, let's let gun ownership and... Guns, guns, guns. There's how many guns per person? Even if people don't have guns, like 2.3 or 2.5 guns per person in the country already. I think we have to do a better job of planning for these. The the, the, the it's the direct uh, result, the direct uh, side effects of having such a gun hungry and gun happy culture. Right, and then 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 they have to do this cleanup on top of planning for the funeral. You That's know. Right. On top of their own grief. And and this made me really think, like, what yeah. happens to the rags and, and the other cleaning a- a- apparatuses that, 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 that they use? You, you know, because um, do you throw it away? And, and what if they don't know how to throw it okay. away? Because that, again, you're supposed to have a biohazardous container when you're doing blood-borne products. Mm. And you're supposed to dispose of it in a certain way, take it to a certain facility. If you're not finding out how to do that, you're probably putting it in the regular dumpster. Right. And where is that going? Sometimes it goes back into our soil. Sometimes yeah. it goes back into a landfill. It goes to a facility where somebody has to sort the trash. Now they're exposed. Yeah. Um, so th- this is this is such a, again, it's a side, side product of, byproduct of us having this culture that f- refuses to mitigate our gun use. Right. Refuse. 
Right. And and some points here uh, before we wrap up this program. Um, at a March 2021 hearing of the City Council's Committee on Public Safety, representatives from the Anti-Violence Partnership of Philadelphia presented a report card. Uh, I mean, a report called Blood on Our Hands. It included recorded testimonies and images from clients forced to clean up blood and other remains after losing a loved wow. one. Now, this was two years ago. Wow. All right. And they're just now launching this program. Mm. And there's there's a caveat with this program as well. So our point number two is under current protocols, a Philadelphia police department officer responding to a shooting in a public space may request a washdown. Wow. And and that washdown comes from the Philadelphia Fire Department. Right. And, and and according to uh, one of the uh, special advisors of the police commissioner, he noted that the washdown really isn't nothing more than a hose pushing things down the sewer. Yes, correct. Which is not the appropriate way to do things. They're and not treating the... They're not treating the area the way they wash it down. They're literally right. just pointing a high-powered hose, like the high-pressure hose, at the sidewalk or the yeah. ground or the dirt or you know, the, the asphalt. And so you're not cleaning anything. You're just literally just washing washing the street down and hoping for the best. Right, right. And and that's it. That And that's disgusting. Yeah, it's really gross when you think about it. Right, right. Really gross. And uh, and PPD is currently finalizing a contract with a professional cleanup company. And, and, and starting soon, the detectives who arrive at a scene with blood or bio waste will notify police radio and staffers there will be a uh, document uh, that request. And police radio staffers will call the contracted cleaning company and two officers will stay at the scene for 90 minutes or until the company arrives. And the protocol will only apply to shootings that happen outside. That's the caveat that I was talking about, wow. folks. The city's managing director's office said via email that the goal is to fine-tune the process and learn from this phase before going into private residences of traumatized families. Yep. Just hurry up and wait. That that part. <laughs> hurry up, hurry up and 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 wait. And people people I'm sure have been complaining about this oh, prior longer than that. to 2021. You know it. You know it. You know, um, and you would think, all right, you well, let's it. put something in 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 process, you know, but Again, I'm gonna look at it glass glass half full. I do have a question though yes. that 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 this is going to be kind of a third party type thing, and I'm like with police budgets constantly, you know, um, um, being being bumped up uh, year by year, constantly yeah. going up. Can't they just hire cleaners in house? They can. But that spe- having a specialized cleaner all like that on staff is extremely expensive. Oh, okay. Biohazard cleanup is expensive. But if you're a city that has an ongoing problem, we're talking about Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. If you have an ongoing problem with, with gun violence and homicides, yeah. you would think that you would put money into something like that. Make that investment. Like this is important. Right. Um, especially if we say we want to, um, one, mitigate you know, some of that. But if we're if we really are about trying to restore justice to communities, one small thing you can do is not contribute to them being re-traumatized by right. the sight of blood and guts and, and brains. Right. And bone and body parts that are, you know, left behind after these tragedies. Right. Um, and folks like to blame every, you know, particularly black folks for violence in their communities, um, not realizing that 
a lot of these people who are committing these acts with each other know each other. Mm-hmm. And sometimes not the wider area doesn't, and they're still subject to that. Yeah. So it's this kind of idea like, let them clean up their their, their mess, own yeah their own mess instead of realizing this is a societal issue right um so again you know how we conceptualize the byproducts and aftermath of letting gun violence and not even gun ownership I was gonna say gun ownership but the ability to get guns so freely um, persist like this in our society this is a very direct result of that for me yeah yeah i i remember um in in um in grad school my first my first semester at grad school um i had that i had had to be housed with some undergrads yeah um and um and uh my former roommates they would have uh people from the baltimore community yeah um uh, stop in sleep on the couch and everything like that like all of them were from new york so like they had this sense of community and everything like that and um and and i remember one of the people that was um staying for a, a couple days he was from west baltimore and he was like you know um, to get a gun in Baltimore, it's so easy yeah. to to the point that you just need to kick over a trash can. Yeah, you'll probably find one. And mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's true. That easy, that easy. So we're gonna put a pin in it right there, man. This was man, good. Oh man, <laughs> this was good <laughs> as usual. Yes, yes, yes. I am, I, I am giddy. I am happy. <laughs> I hope you, the listener, enjoyed this. Dr. K, any final words? I mean, I've had a great time today. Um, I hope you guys voted on Tuesday. Yes. And uh, on Election Day. And I hope you uh, are looking forward to 2024. We're going to need for us to get mobilized across across the region, across the state, across the nation. Every election is the most important election of your life. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And, And in true election form... And because Dr. K is with us and just came from Chicago, we're going to quote none other than Mr. Barack Obama himself. So to end the program, change will not come if we wait for some other person or some other time. We are the ones we've been waiting for. We are the change that we seek. Amen. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I am Marquise Lupton. This is the Melanin Report. Trust your dopeness. And enjoy these sounds from our regional artists. We'll see you on the other side. Peace. Yo, keep me rolling this time. That's too much on the sea, man. Sound waves. Running, 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 better running. I'm like the heat in the summer. I gotta keep it a hundred. Running, running, they don't never see this coming. Ain't no fucking out budget. We can do this shit in public. Running, 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 better running. I'm like the heat in the summer. I gotta keep it a hundred. Running, running, they don't never see this coming. Ain't no fucking out budget. We can do this shit in public. Running, running, think I got it all covered. Whole city going love it, whole squad straight thugging Run it, run it, I don't really think they want it They can't do it how I done it, they gon' feel a n- coming Run it, 
running. I ain't the one you should with. Bad bitch, stay thuggin'. And I ain't the dumbest. The ones can't cuff it. She waiting on the nigga. Why they hating on the nigga? They can't take up from a nigga. Talking blue face hunters. Sippin' do say buggin'. And I'm screw face thuggin'. And I'm cruising with the squad. Always with the crew say thuggin'. On a Tuesday buggin'. We a different kind of lit. Nigga doomsday coming. Never stick it to the script. All my niggas with the sh- I'm getting jiggy with your bitch. I'm in the city with the click. Whole squad on 10. And my bitch on 10. And we all going in. They ain't not going in. Running, running, running. Get better running. I'm like the heat in the summer. I gotta keep it a hundred. Running, running. They don't never see this coming. Ain't no fucking other budget. We can do this shit in public. Running, running, running. Get better running. I'm like the heat in the summer. I gotta keep it a hundred. Running, running. They don't never see this coming. Ain't no fucking other budget. We can do this shit in public. Running, running. Think I got it all covered. Whole city going love it. Whole squad straight thugging. Running, running. I don't really think they want it. They can't do it how I done it. They gon' feel a coming. In front of 717, you couldn't find a better team. I miss G, you never seen. I told them that I never leave. Years later, still here. Whole team still here. I thought I made myself clear. It ain't much a nigga feel. I told them that I'm talking bands. I got the power in my hands. I don't think they understand. Triple so I gotta keep the Western all up in my pants. They try to tell me that I can. They ain't never had a chance. We had a better plan. Told them that I'm talking keys. I can't let these niggas breathe. And we all going in, they ain't that going Running, 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 get better running I'm like the heat in the summer, I gotta keep it a hundred Running, running, they don't never see this coming Ain't no fucking other budget, we can do this shit in public Running, running, get better running I'm like the heat in the summer, I gotta keep it a hundred Running, running, they don't never see this coming Ain't no fucking other budget we can do this shit in public Run it, run it Think I got it all covered Whole city going love it Whole squad straight thugging Run it, run it I don't really think they want it They can't do it how I done it They gon' feel a coming Good better run it Told you niggas once They can't do it how I done it Oh man They gon' feel a nigga coming Only talking money Ain't no fucking switching subjects Oh man you could catch me in my zone Fuckin' right beside me, I'm just tryna make it home Told me they be down, then they left me on my own Talking how my back, that's that shit I don't condone Aw oh, man, I'ma get these niggas pressure Not adding up, I'ma fuck around and measure Niggas want war, it's my motherfucking pleasure The city looking crazy, I'ma pull this shit together Aw oh, man Yeah